Welcome to Enjoying Life with Kevin Tran, a podcast dedicated to empowering you to enjoy life to the fullest through listening to my stories along with those of many others I meet along the way. In today's episode, we'll be talking with Crystal Lee, a voice actor who started her career in 2020 right after graduating from her bachelor's and master's program in biomedical engineering. She took advantage of the stay-at-home mandate to pursue her passion for voiceover. She kept at it, even after starting her first full-time job, and over the past couple of years, voice acting became her main career focus. Her most recent features have been with Zenith MMO, a VR game, and ads for PetSmart. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Hi. What got you started with voice acting? I had taken an acting class when I was in college just to kind of not be all engineering classes because they wanted you have to take other enriching classes. And I was like, okay, I've never tried acting before. It sounds scary, but maybe fun. It's good to diversify your experiences, right? So I tried it and then I loved it and I wanted to do more of it. And so I got into acting more and more and voice acting wasn't super high on the radar, high on the list. At that point, but when the pandemic hit and I couldn't do in-person acting classes anymore, I was really missing it. And so I decided to try looking online and I found a voice acting community, casting calls for voiceover stuff. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do more of that. And so jumped in. That was the start in high school. How did you build on that during college? Oh, okay. Well, actually, I didn't start in high school. I started, this was during college. Mm. So in high school, I'd kind of thought like I didn't really it wasn't really something I thought about much just because like you watch cartoons but you're not actively going there's a person behind that voice right so it wasn't something I even clocked as existing as a career but then when I was in college after taking that acting class that's when I really got into it and then it was only after I finished my master's and then the pandemic hit that I was just like oh I gotta take this acting thing online and so that's how I kind of keyed into it. I found some, uh, I was really into webtoons. And so when I was looking online, I saw there were like casting calls for webtoon dubs. So people were dubbing over the episodes. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And so I gave that a shot. And that was the first little domino in the long chain. With webtoons, what was the first gig that you had? Oh, I can't remember the first one. But the one that I was most interested in, and the one that I uh, am most proud of is for Purple Hyacinth. It's a mystery webtoon, kind of mystery thriller with a little bit of romance. It's really good, and I was a huge fan of it. I was following it for a while, and I found a casting call for it online, and I went uh, went for it. I don't think I got it when I went for it, but I ended up getting cast for it in a different production later, so it ended up working out, and I'm still with the people who do that dub to this day, and they're awesome. So then pretty much you did that casting and then it didn't work out for that role, but then that segued you into another one. Yeah, because it was like, it was on a website. So the website I started on, it was called Casting Club Call or it was CCC. And they had a bunch of different projects that were just casting for voice actors. And so that was just one of many that I applied for and kind of like dabbled in. It was like a really good source of just kind of indie productions to just look through and give a shot. What was that whole casting experience like when you first went through it? Scary, to, to say the least. It was like, because <laughs> like, you're reading lines and you're just kind of, I, I had barely any acting experience at that point, right? I'd taken like that the one class, but that's not any formal acting training, really. 
this was like during college. It wasn't until after that I took more acting focused classes. I was in front of a microphone and going for it and sending it out into the ether uh, online. And that specific website, your auditions are public. So you can actually listen to a bunch of other people's. So it was like good and scary at the same time. Because, oh my god, my voice is just up on that website now and anybody could listen to it. Oh god. But on the other hand, I got to listen to a bunch of other people's auditions and that taught me a ton. What did you learn about listening to others? Oh my god, so much. I feel like I have to accredit it for a lot of learning that I got early on. Just because when you listen to people's auditions, you get to hear the good things that they do and the bad things that they do. And it's like kind of exponentially increases your learning because you're just like, oh, okay, now I know not to do that. Or I really like the choice that they made for the way that they read that line. Listening to a bunch of them, it was like gathering a ton of data and then being like, okay, I like this. I don't like that. Like I, ma- I got to make sure not to do this or that. You know, I could hear especially the difference that like equipment makes. You could tell if somebody was using a good microphone or if they were in a really loud space and that would hurt or help their recording their submissions in different ways. And so you could like to be able to hear that in bulk was super educating. What was your biggest takeaway from that moving on to your next further auditions? I think the biggest takeaway was to make yourself stand out, but not not in like a, a crazy way, but to make a choice that other people didn't. You hear this a billion times in acting classes too, where they're just like, everybody might think that a line is supposed to be read a certain way. You're, if the person is casting and they hear like a hundred takes that sound kind of the same, the take that stands out, like maybe who interpreted it differently is gonna have an advantage and it shows that you're kind of thinking about what the character wants or the situation that they're in a little differently so definitely it had helped to get that sense early on so then you were able to produce your individuality in that sense at the early phase of your career how has that helped (laughs) you in the latter half too as you continue to progress latter half is generous i've only been at this for like two going on three years so i'd still consider myself quite early in my career but it's helped just because like uh, when nowadays i don't have that listening to other people's auditions aspect anymore so that website i don't really go on it anymore Most of my gigs I get from other places, like be it agents or casting calls elsewhere online. And those are, it's a really siloed process. You get the, you see the audition document, there's lines, you record them, you send them in, you send them to an email address, and that's it. You either hear back or you don't. You don't hear what anybody else sent in, or you may not even end up hearing what they eventually picked, depending on when the project comes out. So I don't have that feedback anymore earlier, like, like quote unquote feedback, but like to, to hear what other people did and what ended up getting chosen. Now, a lot more of it is in the dark, right? So having developed that sense early on is what helps me now to be like, oh, okay, I can anticipate that a lot of people are going to read this line like this way. Like, oh, this, this person probably is going to read it as if the character sounds scared because like that's the most obvious way that the words are written. What if I read it differently? Like they're pretending to be scared. And they're not actually scared. Like that kind of spin on it, if I can, I try to read that into an audition. Yeah, so pretty much just adding on all that past information that you got Mm -hmm. and then just learning how to put that into practice without listening to other voices. And yeah, yeah. you're just 
siloed in your own space and don't <laughs> yeah, really very have to much. listen to anyone else. I am just in my closet recording, <laughs> like alone. I don't hear what anybody else does. Yeah, so it definitely, it, yeah, it really helped to, to build on that past mm-hmm. experience. So going back to more of the start when you were navigating through the COVID times, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Some of the challenges were, I mean, definitely that uh, being cooped up at home, it's not like now where I don't have to worry about my other family members walking around or doing their own thing. It was hard to kind of get the time to monopolize my parents' closet and record in it because my closet back home is way too small to like record in because you always want like a really nice space with sound muffling closets are a really good space for that fun fact just because like all the cloth and everything in there really absorbs sound so i didn't have any of like any fancy treatment going on back home i just had a closet that was packed with my parents clothes right so the the challenge was just being like i need to use the closet for like three hours don't don't come by don't do anything loud Like, just trying to work around that. That was, like, definitely a, a challenge. Luckily, my, my parents humored me, so that was fun, until I moved out last year. Then when you were at your parents and you were still continuing on, when did you kind of know that this was your career that you wanted to pursue f- further? Oh, my God. I don't know if there's, like, a single moment, but, that you know, where it just kind of clicked. Like, oh, I want to do I want to do my a voiceover career. It was kind of feel like it was a slow realization that I couldn't pretend that I would be able to do without it. I went to school for engineering, right? I've got two uh-huh. degrees for engineering. So I kind of just assumed my entire life I'd go into, uh, you know, like biotech and then just work there for a lot of years and eventually retire, I guess, because that's just what people do. And that was kind of the expectation, right? It's like mm-hmm. a nice, stable cushy life it pays well it's like you know it's safe and then after I took that acting class it was when I was just kind of like oh I love this like (laughs) I really love this it was like I hadn't you know how people talk about oh I have a passion for this I have a passion for that Mm -hmm. before the point where you discover your own passion or at least this was the case for me I don't know if this is the case for you there was a bit of skepticism there where I was just like, okay, I'm sure, like, maybe maybe some people really do find their passions. Good for them. That's awesome. But come on. It's like, we got to be real here. We yeah, got to yeah. be practical. Right? So there was, like, a lot of that, like, denial where I was just like, I don't have a passion and I don't need one. I'm just going to live life comfortably. Um, And then I fell in love with acting and I was like, I have a, I, I have a thing now that I can't live without because now I know what it feels like. Like, doing acting, it was like, I felt like I woke up. I don't know. It was, it's, which is, it might be a cliche way to put it. But that at that point, I knew I had some, like, a real connection with it that I would have to keep doing. For a while, I told myself, okay, well, I'll just add it to my life plan, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll still, like, the whole biotech career thing still in place. And I'll just, you know, do acting classes and do, I don't know, plays or whatever in the community on the side. And then it was during the pandemic where I was like doing a lot more of it. Voice acting specifically, I fell in love with even harder just because it suits me really well. You know me, I'm an introvert. I just like to stay home. Um, And so (laughs) not that all voice actors stay home. You do go into the studio for a lot of projects, but nowadays it's a lot more accessible and you can do a lot of stuff from like a a good home studio. And so, yeah, no, I was just like in my closet, getting to play pretend, make believe, like embodying all these characters and helping to create like a cool creative vision 
that was just addicting. It's It still is. I'm very much still addicted to it, and I think I will be forever. So after doing it for a while, uh, it, there came a certain point where I was just like, no, I need to, I need to do this f- full time. I need to get to a point where I can do this all the time because I can't think of anything I'd like to do more with my time. And I feel like I would be doing myself a disservice if I tried to relegate it to only a certain fraction, like a certain percentage of my life. It seems like the main pivotal point in this whole journey was taking that first acting class. What pushed you to actually take that class? Well, okay, there, there, I have like two first acting classes in the sense that the first acting class I took was like the college one I told you about where I was like my first taste of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just very much like a, a college elective kind of thing, right? So intro 101 acting like improv exercises and like acting like those i guess theater games that really open you up for for being silly and like doing things and then like that was like half of it and then we would also do like scripts and stuff and i really liked that but my first so that was like i would call that my first like taste of acting but what really got me spiraling down the rabbit hole was that after i had that initial interest that had me hooked mm-hmm. okay but like you know how like hook line and signature that had me hooked yeah, yeah. and then like the the yanking out of the water <laughs> happened when i i was like okay i need, i want to try more of that I, there was a a local a group of acting instructors it was called the actors workshop of ithaca i looked them up and they offered acting classes it was separate from the university so i was just like oh okay maybe i can do that and they they were actually really close to where i lived and so I waffled on it for a while because I was like, because, you know, school was really busy and I was just like, I can't add more stuff to it. But then during my master's, I was just like, I'm so burnt out and I'm tired and I miss being creative. And so I bit the bullet and I was like, I I emailed them saying I was interested in taking classes with them. And so one thing led to another. I I started classes during my master's and then I just head over heels because it was really intense. It was (laughs) scared. It scared me. And to this day, I, I like... I can't forget that feeling, and I get that feeling every time I enter, like, a new advanced class. Part of me is, like, if a class isn't scaring you shitless, you're in the wrong class, uh-huh. right? Like, you're learning something new, but, like, scared shitless in a good way. Yeah, it was really exhilarating. It was a Meisner acting workshop, which is it is one of the types of acting. Yeah, they, they kind of threw us in headfirst, um, like, hit the ground running with it, and I loved it. I loved doing the exercises. I loved learning lines and doing scenes with people exciting doesn't even cover it it was like vulnerable and exciting and Mm -hmm. yeah could you uh walk us through what it was kind of like going through that class step by step what they had you do uh, how you interacted with your classmates oh god yeah immediately they were really quick off the bat to establish a safe space because as actors you can't learn in a non-safe space you're doing wacky you're plunging out the deepest depths of your human emotion out of each other in there i was scared but everybody was really open and really human one of the first exercises that they had us do and they just had you and another person sit facing each other and you would redo the repetition exercise where you would say an observation about them you're not allowed to be fake. You're not allowed to be bullshit. And you just have to say something that you notice immediately. Like, oh, you have crooked teeth. Like that kind of observation. Stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't just say in polite society, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so that shook me to begin with. I was like, I can't just say these things. Your immediate observation about someone. Oh, like you're Asian. And like you would repeat back and forth. They'd say, I'm Asian. You notice something else and then you call that out and then you repeat that for a bit until someone else notices something and says it. I was, I was really confused 
but also excited because I was like, I don't know what we're doing, but this is weird and interesting. And so like, that's one of the opening exercises that they start you off with. Just getting really used to calling out things as you see them. Your initial reaction to someone. Don't filter it through your polite society self. Be honest. That was the core of it. Be honest with yourself and with your with your partner. And so it's pretty much monkey see or yeah, monkey, monkey say monkey say, say monkey, monkey say, say back. back. <laughs> <laughs> it was that. It was okay. exactly that. It was yep. Nailed it. Yeah, so we did a ton of those repetition exercises and there's more that gets added onto that as you get more advanced. And it was especially thrilling to see other people work. So in that class, it wasn't just beginners. They had like a couple of like a handful of first semester people so like that was me and then other people who had taken other iterations of the class before and they were just doing more advanced stuff and so they'd get up there people who had been there for three four five semesters and it was fascinating to see them go because like when you're starting you're not that fast at it you're like you're hesitant you're Mm -hmm. stumbling over your feet you're just learning to walk they're getting up there and they're going at it you see them like just pointing out like you piss me off and like they'll just say that and then like it'll they'll just go back and forth and it's honest all of it it's like you you feel that like there there's just energy whizzing around the room and not a single shred of it is fake What would you say is the biggest difference between someone that is just starting off with their voice acting career versus someone who is 2 or 3 years down the line The biggest, oh God, I mean, there's a million. The experience itself is what really differentiates you. Mm -hmm. So, and everybody learns at their own pace. So I would say get a lot of technical know-how in your first year or two. Like I was just showing you earlier how like to set up like recording equipment. That's, yeah, that's like, (laughs) that's a pretty big difference. So like uh, someone who's been doing it for a couple of years, like this stuff is, you know how to do it as easy as breathing. But like when you're first starting out, it's like, it's it's a significant bump in the road that you got to get over and you figure it out. What equipment to get, how to set it up, how to use it properly, how to take care of it, how to maintain it, if it needs maintaining. Yeah, all that, all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say that's probably the easiest big difference. Going to now and probably over the past year, how have you found these different audition opportunities? Ooh, yeah. They come from a variety of sources. So like I said, I first started off looking at Casting Call Club. I've transitioned off of it more because I've gotten a lot of opportunities from other sources. So that includes agents. So they send me auditions. I've also gotten onto rosters. So there are rosters that casting directors will open or you can submit to. So you submit your demo reel or reels if they ask for multiple um maybe like website and contact info and if they like your stuff they will add you to their list of people to call upon and send auditions to so i'm on a couple of rosters and when people are casting for a project i'll be on that emailing list and i get that audition i also get a lot of auditions on twitter if you if you can believe it Hmm. yeah a lot of indie projects will post on twitter just being like Hey, we need voice actors. Uh, if you're a voice actor listening to this, go on VA Casting RT. It's run by Risa May, and she does an amazing job just retweeting casting calls that pop up. All of them are paid and safe for work. And so I follow that, like, ringer on. The second that something gets retweeted, I get a notification. I look at it, so I remember to, like, note it down for doing it later if, if any of the characters apply. How much of your auditions are based off of Twitter and finding opportunities there versus other mediums? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd need to record. I don't have like a full breakdown of it. I should probably be tracking these things just for for metrics purposes. Uh, <laughs> bad engineer, but <laughs> <laughs> that's all. The time. I know. Uh, honestly, like I don't, 
50% or more, like Twitter. There's so much on Twitter. And then the rest is from agents, rosters, and people reaching out privately. So then after just going through that audition process, what is it like working with a client? Uh, I mean, it always depends on the client. The most, most of the ones I've worked with have been very professional. What the general process that I've gone through is that, you know, they'll let you know that you were cast and then they'll send like project details. So like, oh, this is what everything is about. Here's a, a more in-depth look at your character if you need one. Not all pro- projects provide this or necessarily need to, but it's nice when they do. They'll send the script and be like, hey, yo, when are you available to record? And yeah, you give availability, you schedule a date, you... Boom, boom, boom. For those specific clients, how much do you get back for compensation-wise for your time and for these positions? Oh, it varies a lot, especially depending on where you are in your career and what kind of projects you're auditioning for. Nowadays, I think I make an average of a few hundred dollars per gig. But I mean, it took, it wasn't always like this. When I was starting out, when I was beginner, beginner, I would audition for projects that were unpaid just as practice, right? And then Mm -hmm. as I got better, especially as I started investing in my equipment, nowadays I only audition for paid projects unless it's like some unicorn project comes along that I'm just like, I need to be part of it. And for some reason they can't pay, but that hasn't happened. (laughs) So (laughs) like, yeah, no, cause like, hey, you gotta be, you you gotta be judicious with your time and what you're worth, Um, especially having put a lot of like time and money into honing your skill as a professional like when I was starting out like after like transitioning off of unpaid projects I would get paid projects that paid in like two dollar sign range on Yelp you know that kind of <laughs> that's how I'm thinking like yeah. one to one to two dollar signs and then nowadays I'm in the three dollar sign bracket ayo that's good for me and the next big step for me is getting into the four dollar sign bracket so now I, I bat around a three to four but uh-huh. usually like three so standard for indie video games is two fifty an hour for two with a two hour minimum, which means at baseline five hundred dollars unless your session goes over or your sessions go over two hours. Is indie game probably the biggest industry in terms of starting out when you're still like going into amateur to uh, becoming more of a professional? I would say so. For un- I'm not sure what the landscape of unpaid projects looks like right now. There's like a whole slew of things that, you know, people dubbing comics, people dubbing their own like original creations, making audio dramas. I- I've seen like people doing dubbing Minecraft stuff. I don't really <laughs> get involved with that, but I mean, hey, if that's your cup of tea, good, good for you. It comes to like the work that I currently do nowadays, large, mostly video game. And that's, I-, I was actually just at a video game voiceover conference and there were some really cool statistics about that. They're like, Nowadays, I think like close to 10,000 or more new games, like new video games that come out every year. So definitely there's tons of opportunity in that vein. If you know where to look, and so you have to spend some time curating uh, where you get auditions from. But like I said, Twitter, pretty decent. Who knows if that'll continue to be the case considering it's uh, on fire and probably uh, in its <laughs> yeah, death. It feels like it's, I know, I'm a little worried. It seems like Twitter's in its death throes, but I'm not clairvoyant, so I don't know what's going to happen there. But yeah, no, I would say video games are definitely a really good source of um, 
projects if you're starting out like indie video games Mm -hmm. there's some really really cool video games out there that are developed by just indie developers who like just pour their heart and soul and time into developing it and it's just so cool to be a part of it Mm -hmm. and then you get to add on with your own voice acting exactly everyone coming together i know it's a wonderful team effort it's always like a wonder like uh, an honor and a wonder when like uh, a client trusts me with their like a, like a character in the game that they've been like developing mm-hmm. like this is their baby like you know they're yeah. like developers and they've been like doing it like art and everything for i don't even know probably years like video games take a while to, to develop and so for them to just be like to, to hand that off and be like i trust you to give this character a voice that's an amazing magical thing and it's 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 really wonderful every time especially when like you know you collaborate to do that and they're just like yes you brought her to life like that is my favorite thing to hear it's my it's favorite like them thing to giving hear. you their baby and they're like, i know okay, and they're just like you did exactly yeah like it's like you did it like when like you someone yeah handing you their baby and be like you did a great job and you're just like <laughs> really like you are like oh god your word is god on this so thank you like that kind of thing so just going through that whole career from amateur to professional when would mm. you say you considered yourself a professional very quickly as soon as i started making money which i was <laughs> 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 which is like i don't know that's a pretty pretty brutal definition of it but it's like when the second that you understand that your skills are worth something and you start acting like they're worth something you're a professional i see a lot of like newer voice actors who put aspiring in their bios their aspiring voice actor like no if you're voice acting you're a voice actor right mm-hmm. like take take the aspiring out word sage advice anybody who's <laughs> who wants to like who's getting into it take out the aspiring you are a voice actor at that point and so within a few months of like understanding how to do it i wouldn't say okay my timeline's a little messy just because when i was dabbling with it in like a college slash masters that it's it was very sporadic, so I don't know if I even like I don't know if I should count those months or if it's cheating not to whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's at the point, yeah, history. I know, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's history at this point. Um, but like at the point where like you know when the pandemic hit, I like was doing auditions and upgrading my equipment and like being able to to do all of that to bring that to a project. It's that's value. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, at this point, I'm a I'm a professional, and like the gigs started coming in and the history from there Mm -hmm. so now that you've kind of had that history now with doing many gigs and now getting to that like three dollar range and (laughs) the the four dollar range what what are some of the (laughs) projects that you're pushing towards uh if you can disclose about that um i mean well the sad thing about it is that um when at this point when you're on a project you're under nda nda stands for non-disclosure agreement Mm -hmm. so i can't actually talk about any of the projects that i've booked if they haven't come out yet okay i will say most of these are video games continuing with the trend i'm Uh doing a ton of video games which i couldn't be happier about i love love video game voice acting like video game and animation are where my heart is the happiest Mm -hmm. what is your dream voice acting gig Listen, I would love, love, love to voice in a ser- an animated series like Arcane. God, it was stunning, beautiful, mwah, like just 10 out of 10, a million out of 10. I would, I would love to end up being in a production like that one day. The performances were so good. Like the, the depths of like, I don't know, they were just very real, really mm-hmm. grounded. You know, it's not just like drama for the sake of drama. It's not just funny they feel so real. Uh-huh. Putting all those acting skills exactly. that you've developed during the classes, exactly. through the other gigs, into this it's huge the meaty stuff. Into something that can just pretty much change the world in exactly. a sense. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, that 
groundbreaking. <laughs> I just go, going down in history as some of the most uh, revolutionary media in animated or uh, general like TV series content. Mm-hmm. That would be a dream come true to end up in a in a project like that. What has been your favorite gig so far? My favorite one so far. Ah, it's one that I can't announce yet. Um, I guess one that you can't announce. The one that I can <laughs> announce. Um, well, one that's really near and dear to my heart. I mentioned it earlier. Was uh, dubbing for Purple Hyacinth. That was like my first. I feel like that was the first role that I got where it meant something to me personally, because I'd been following that webtoon for years at that point, right? And I didn't. And the. Uh, the director, when when she contacted me, was she contacted me for, personally for the role. She wasn't holding auditions for it. She asked me if mm-hmm. I would do it because she had heard my demos and I'd submitted to the the roster and I was in the talent pool. And she was like, "I think you would be the right match for that role." And I was just like, "That is my favorite character in my favorite webtoon. <laughs> Are you serious?" And yeah. It was surreal. I ran outside and started like jumping around. Um, it, so I play Lauren Sinclair in Purple Hyacinth uh, for the Helvetica dubs version of that dubbing the the webtoons. That yeah, that's probably my favorite. Like to this day, my my favorite role, just because the character meant something to me very much personally. Like she, mm-hmm. uh, the, she's one of my favorite characters in any of the webtoons or media generally that I've ever read. When did you start reading that? Reading? Webtoon? Oh God, I don't remember. It was in college, so it wasn't too long after it'd come out. I think it, there were only maybe two dozen chapters out at the time that I started reading it. I was either in my I was either in my last year, in the second to last, I think last year of college, or in my master's. It's like it's not it's not that old of a webtoon. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you suggest to anyone starting off with voice acting and getting into this industry? What would I say? Oh, good luck, buddy. I mean, I'm like, you're, there's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. And if this is for you, then you're going to have the time of your life. Um, I think, well, I guess, ooh, one thing I wish someone had told me the, that when I started was how much other stuff you have to do to sustain a voice acting career besides the actual voice acting so you don't know like you you learn this as you go nobody's gonna do the other parts of your career for you so you have to be your own like marketing person right like Mm -hmm. you're you're in charge of your own like you know socials and stuff and like i hate being on social media but i have to do it because that's how people know you exist nowadays right so you have to be that you have to be your social media manager your marketing person you got to make your website like you got to be your own website designer unless you want to pay someone to do that that's fine too because there are people who like have that as a service um or if you're cheap like me you do it yourself you have to yeah you have to be your own engineer your own audio engineer because nobody's gonna edit your auditions for you you have to do that yourself you have to learn how to do stuff with your equipment you have to troubleshoot it whenever you have any issue with it whether that's the software or the hardware portion there's a ton of stuff that you have to pick up along the way to aid in your own success. And that's something that I hadn't realized before. And I don't regret a second of any of it, but it is like, basically it's a, it's a much larger package that you end up having to be than you might initially think when you're just like, oh, voice acting, I get in front of the mic and I do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's only the beginning of it. That's 
And then you everything gotta, is like administration, yeah. marketing, administration, marketing. Stuff. Yeah, all of that. Like, oh, finding auditions. You got to be your own like person. You're 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 like you have to be your own agent mm-hmm. for most of the time. You're like searching up your own careers. Even after you get an agent, that's not the end all be all. You have to keep searching up like other places that you source jobs from, because otherwise you're gonna be missing out on a ton of stuff. You have to be your own team. Mm-hmm. How did you find your first agent? <laughs> Twitter. I, <'cause laughs> I always go back to that. I know it always goes no because some someone put a posting out saying that there was an agency that was on the lookout for that really needed more AAPI talent, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "I'm Asian, I'll submit," <laughs> and they took me. Yay! So yeah, diversity hire. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad that we live in a time in which that is taken into consideration for projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's my in. I'll take it. I'm not picky about it. I'm, yeah, no, I mean, what I've booked with them didn't rely on me being Asian, but I'm glad that they had that opening where, you know, someone posted about it and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I should submit to an agency. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's how I got my first agent. Wow. Just using all the current characteristics. Use all the cards in your hand, okay? (laughs) You cannot afford to be picky and prideful, okay? There's, There's a lot of people out there and a lot of people who want to do this, and if you if you're gonna stand out, if you you have to use everything at your disposal. How how would you say now after working with those agencies and after working with other gigs, you've interacted more with the community? Well, I don't know what having I mean having an agent doesn't make me interact more or less with the community. Mm-hmm. But um, over time, I don't know. I haven't. I try not to do much on Twitter just because it just. I don't know, social media like that makes me pretty uncomfortable. But I have made some really amazing friends through it. Now when meeting those voice actors, what are the main activities you do with them? With them? Oh my god! Okay, well, first of all, it's the time... I had the time of my life uh, meeting a bunch of voice actor friends in person for the first time two weekends ago. The sad reality is that I haven't met a lot of them in person because we we met, we connected online, (laughs) right? So... In general, when we're together, I mean, we're just a bunch of people hanging out, right? The the fact that we're voice actors, we do do a lot of weird voices and accents (laughs) just because we can. But, like, the whole point of the hangout is just to hang out, right? Very true. Yeah, yeah. So we're at those conferences, and, like, it's just wonderful to get to know people as people. So that was, yeah, that was a lot of it. Also, like, a lot of us are really into Dungeons & Dragons, so um, Mm, that's what we do. Yeah, that is what, that is what, that is my main free time activity. I would say, like, 80% or more of my free time goes into Dungeons & Dragons, and I want that percentage to be higher. How do you make that balance between a full-time career passion project with this and Mm -hmm. then now spending time and hanging out with others oh the million dollar question i just try to do as much as i can without burning out which is probably not the healthiest answer (laughs) but like okay full-time career i'm lucky in that i work at a company with a good work-life balance So I am not getting overworked and like stressed out like I know some of my friends at other companies are. That I am eternally grateful for because if I was working a job that was working me to the bone, doing overtime and all of that other stuff, I probably wouldn't have the energy that I do for, for that I, that I put into voiceover. I don't think I'd be as far along as I am today if I didn't have, if I hadn't, didn't have the benefit of a a job that respects my personal time. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it. When it comes to voiceover, I have not reached a point yet where I've found like the limit of too much voiceover. I know a lot of, they. there's a lot of really good advice out there around like not burning out on your hobbies. Like, you know, like don't go all in and then like, cause you, it, it's a very real thing. You can get burnt out of it. Like if you do a bajillion auditions or whatnot mm-hmm. and overload um, yourself yeah it's like it's too much at it's once. very it's very very much a reality and very much possible to do that i have not personally hit that barrier yet uh who knows i probably will at some point in the future but at this at this point in time what i'm not putting into work i will put as much as i need to into voiceover to get like you know if i have auditions to do i'll get all of those done if i have like audiobook editing to do i will go and get that done what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing now with your voice acting career? I want to move to LA so bad. <laughs> That's the biggest. Cha- okay, listen. After the pandemic, a lot of opportunities like for remote careers have opened up and I'm so grateful for them because I mean, before the pandemic, most things were in studio only. Mm-hmm. It was only during the pandemic when people didn't have the option to go in when studios got used to being like you know oh we'll we'll like have a home studio and we'll record you from there and that's possible however things a lot of things are returning to in studio i won't like i don't know at what rate things are returning to in studio but the truth is that a lot of opportunities are still in like the the entertainment hubs so la is the biggest one agencies production companies like video game companies animation companies it's it's Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where a, a ton of opportunities are and like the biggest agents and agencies are. That's where so much of the opportunity lies, especially now that a lot of things are going back in studio. And then another hub is like Texas. There's a ton of animation work down there, especially anime dubbing gets done in Texas primarily. I mean, there's some in LA, but mm-hmm. yeah. And then, you know, there's other hubs like Atlanta, I think has some... Just wrapping up now, what would you like to say to our listeners, to anyone wondering about voice acting or how to contact you and all of those deets? If you're thinking about getting started in voiceover, go and check out IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. It's an amazing resource. Go look it up. Besides that, just good luck. Keep at it. You know, take classes. That's the biggest thing. Always, you you will benefit so much from taking classes. And then how, how <laughs> oh, and can how I to contact? contact or, yeah, or yeah, how yeah. to find me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to find you. Um, I'm on Twitter for however long that's around at <laughs> Crystal Lee Vo. That's C R Y S T A L L E E V O, and you can find me on my website at crystalwylee.com. So that's how you can find me online. I mean, my website is the most important one currently. Twitter's the best place to find me, like in terms of socials, or Instagram, which is Crystal Y Lee Vo. Well, <clears throat> it's been a pleasure talking with you, Crystal, about your whole journey. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this interview. This is my first ever interview. The first of many. Thank you all for listening to today's episode surrounding my voice actor friend, Crystal Lee. Until next time, keep making miracles day by day and we'll talk again soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating or review or donate in the link in the description. Additionally, tag me in an Instagram story at at Kevin T.P. Tran, that is Kevin T.P. Tran, to share how this episode brightened up your day.